Wave pool technology is progressing at a rapid rate, and commercially surfable wave pools are opening around the world. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. My name is Nick Robinson, and through my guests, we take a detailed look at this fascinating new game. Check us out on wavepoolmag.com. For your curiosity and stoke. Good afternoon. You're with Nick Robinson from Wavepool Mag Podcast. Thanks for tuning in once again. It's another episode, and today in episode six, we're going all the way over to Las Vegas. So if you're in Las Vegas, you might be really stoked to hear this, but there is a wave and there is a plan for a wave. I know there are possibly hundreds, maybe even thousands of you out there in the world who want to make a wave pool right next to your place and where, where you're living. But it's it's a it's a long and involved process. So we're digging deep into TC's vision and seeing how he's starting because he's pretty early in the process. But uh, it's a fascinating chat to have to see where you can actually start with this thing and how long the process will take because TC's involved and, and you can, we'll find out his whole story, where he's come from, but he's involved in the real estate market and development market already. So he's got an app on the average surfer out there who wants to start a wave pool. But listen up, and afterwards, I'll tell you a little bit more about some exciting stuff that's happening on the Wave Pool Mag podcast. So here you go with TC. So hey, TC, welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. It's really, really awesome to have you on. Thanks so much for joining us all the way from Vegas. Absolutely, my pleasure. You didn't start in Vegas, right? And a, and a lot of listeners may have well traveled to Newport Beach. Um, were you were you born there, or, or what? I was I, I was raised in Orange County, California. My dad still has a home in Huntington Beach, where I went to elementary school, and then I moved a little bit around Orange County. Graduated from Irvine High School, which is about twenty minutes uh, east of Newport, and as soon as I graduated, moved to the beach. And lived there for Excellent. 20 plus years. And so did you go straight into the water and start surfing? Oh, I started surfing when I was 11 years old. My aunt owned one of the oldest, or leased one of the oldest stores at the end of Main Street in Huntington. And she bought me my first board, which was Robert August. He had the shop next door. Awesome. <laughs> it was so cool, man. But what's it like to see Huntington Beach at like this year's van contest and see how crazy it's all gotten? Was it was it that crazy when you started as well? Oh, like, so the U.S. Open of surfing, it's yeah. ginormous now, which is great for the sport. But no, it was very humble when I started surfing. I'm sure it must have been a completely different place back then. Yeah, totally. Everything's been revamped. The homes, yeah. all the uh, stores on Main Street, everything. So what was it like back then? Just give us an indication. I mean, like it was what, the 80s? Uh, 70s even. Yeah, it was a lot more laid back. <laughs> that's, the, that's the official term, laid back, man. It was uh, long hair and vans and like, yeah, it was totally different. <laughs> so obviously things are a little bit more frenetic these days. But now let's leap ahead and tell me the story of, of Vuli. How do you pronounce that? So you did good, man. Vuli is a wordplay on volley. So I vul, the root word in the urban dictionary, dictionary means super or extra cool. So that is not cool. That's vul, right? And then vuli is like just a wordplay on volley, balance, V-O-O-L-I-I, -I, just a creative, fun word 
little mystery, and it was trademarkable because it was a unique word. But I'm really curious, how did you come up with that? Was it in like a, a late night bar somewhere or something? No. So after the real estate recession in 08, I was a little bit eh, with real estate and design and creative is my passion. So I said, what do I want to really step into right now as an outlet, a creative outlet? And I was doing a lot of beach volleyball, sand volleyball at the time here in Vegas even. And I knew a lot of the players. And so I said, why don't we do a volleyball specific lifestyle brand? And that's it. Awesome. Yeah. And is that, still, is that still running? It is running. Yeah. And the reason we did it truthfully was a lot of these beach players are sponsored by surf brands. But the surf brands give them apparel, but they don't really sponsor them monetarily or in other ways. And so Vuli as a volleyball brand was able to contribute in some of those ways. Where a surf brand couldn't or wouldn't because it's not really their market per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So you really assisted in the sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in, t- in 2004, you jetted into Vegas for good, right? Yeah, I was back and forth for about a year prior. But in 04, I had a permanent residence in Vegas. Why? Oh, I was offered an offer. So I had a bay view and a beach view from my house in Newport on the peninsula. And I swore I would never leave the beach for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. But um, a couple neighbors of mine had moved out to Vegas and been doing land acquisition at the boom of that initial market in probably 02, 01 or 02. And they approached me with an opportunity to, to come out and get involved. And because of some of the margins that they were making, I said, well, I'll take a trip out there, sure. <laughs> and then after a year of back and forth, we got, or I was so busy, and there was so much great opportunity that I relocated. And then in 2006, I had my son. And as long as he was under the age 18, I was never moving him away from his mom and family or, by, or me move away from him. Sure. Yeah, it's important for the family to stick together, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So did you, is that when the fun agents came out? No. So, okay, we were doing a lot of great land acquisition, entitlements, rezoning projects. And then we went into full-blown joint venture development projects in Vegas. And then, as you know, the market dropped out, right? In 2010-ish, between 2008 and 2010. And so after that, I started Vuli. And then I had a network of people that I had already done land deals with and people I knew in Vegas. So I decided I'd get my residential real estate license. And me as a visionary and creative guy, the natural progression was to start a brand called The Fun Agents. And so I put out these fun, funny video uh, series that you'll have to look up sometime. I have. I've looked at. I've checked them out uh, this morning when I was researching you on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Are they are they hilarious or what? Yeah, they're classic. Are they great? They're funny <laughs> as hell, man. So that's just kind of my mo. I naturally gravitate towards something creative. You know, I can't just have this run of the mill type of business or entity. It has to have some magical flavor beyond just being a business. Does that make sense? So that- 
Absolutely. And I think um, artificial wave parks, for want of a better word, wave pools, are totally creative, unbelievable. It's like cutting edge stuff. So, so how did you actually first hear about the wave parks? I mean, where were you when you heard about it? Well, the first one I heard about was Kelly Slater's, right? I mean, I had, I had heard things in the past about stuff coming online, and I was way into it. Maybe, I don't even know, eight years back. But like when I was surfing as a kid, I was dreaming about this and I was, I was drawing perfect waves and I was thinking, oh man, isn't anybody going to be able to create the perfect wave? And so when Kelly came out with his, um, with his wave park and his ideas, it was just like, okay, cool. It was a natural progression, but really, really, really exciting. Yeah. By the way, I did see some of your illustrations when I was YouTubing as well. Very cool, man. I yeah, love, the Wave Pool Mag. That, yeah. Amazing stuff, that, yeah. I love them. So, yeah, I doodled stuff like that growing up in school as well, and it was always an ideal to have a perfect wave, just peeling, peeling, peeling. And we actually have Rincon, right, <laughs> which is is almost that. But the fact that we can have here's, – here's what's so great about it. So, for me, the Beach Las Vegas symbolizes – a lot more than just wave pool, wave technology surfing. It's a beach lifestyle that people can rejuvenate from. You know, it restores something in you spiritually. It's just being around the beach, the ocean, it has a magical quality, a healing quality that any surfer could tell you about, right? Or anyone that's really grown up by the beach. So for me, it was all about this beach lifestyle, being able to provide it in a place where most of them maybe never even got a chance to observe it, right? But the fact that we can have perfect man-made waves breaking potentially every eight seconds, that's unheard of. When you're out surfing in the ocean, some days you're lucky if you get a, a wave every 20 minutes, right? So that in and of itself was a high motivator for me. And then you have the fact that there's a lot of people that would love to try surfing, but they're afraid of the ocean. So there's a whole nother segment of human population that now can experience what I think is probably one of the greatest, not only sports, but adventures or experiences in the world, riding a wave of moving water, right? It's just unbelievable. Absolutely, but that's an interesting aspect that you're talking about of artificial waves is that we've probably got about 200 million people in the world who are aspirational surfers. You know, people who buy gotcha, well, not gotcha clothing anymore because that was long gone, but um, Billabong and Quicksilver and those kind of products um, when they don't actually surf at all. And um, there's probably, what, about 50, anywhere between 35 and 50 million surfers in the world. So, so edging those up, uh, obviously, wave parks will be able to to make those turn those aspirational surfers into into real surfers, like you say, without the fears of the ocean. Yeah. So, are you referring to aspirational surfers as people that already kind of wear the style, the surf style, right? And want yeah, and they it, buy into the vibe. Yeah, and they admire the lifestyle, right? They really kind of look up to us beach living surfer people, and they they like you said, they vibe to it. They just aspire to be or to have that opportunity, right? And that's what I want to. That's what I want to give them a taste of that, you know, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. 
But let's go back. I mean, how did you get the idea of this? There must be a story about how you how you sparked off the artificial wave park. And were you having a drink with a billionaire and he just mentioned, you know, here's a beach in Las Vegas. Well, let's make a beach in Vegas. No. So the thing that I missed most when I uh, fully committed to living in Vegas was the ocean, right? The salt water in the air, um, being able to just go out and take a uh, beach cruiser stroll down the boardwalk right? See all the activity on the beach all the time, even in the winter, right? And surfing, walking out and paddling out into this moving, powerful ocean and surfing, you know, sometimes not even great waves, but just the art of going through that experience, paddling. I mean, saltwater therapy, I'm sure you're familiar, right? Saltwater therapy, man. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where, where I'm from in Cape Town, we have cold water therapy. You know, <laughs> and I'm sure it gets pretty cold in, in California as well. But um, I actually went for a stand-up paddle in Cape Town the other day. I was over there for a holiday. And there was this lady floating around in like 12-degree water. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it's 12 degrees Celsius. And it's really cold. And I said to her, what are you doing? She said, well, it's cold water therapy. I come out here every day for five weeks to, to help my back. You know? Right. And so, well, that's... Uh, a whole other thing which the ocean can provide for us yeah absolutely not so much fun you know what you know what else is interesting too so i thought first of all we're in vegas right so vegas has the biggest and best of everything and the timing may not have been right years back even in that boom economy because surfing wasn't where it is today right it's exploding and it's it's projected to continue to explode especially with our first appearance in the Olympics, right? So, um, and with wave pool technology. So I think that the timing now is absolutely perfect. And I, I've spoken with so many great people born and raised in Vegas that take multiple week-long trips to the beach every year, right? And so why wouldn't we, if we can, which we can, create a beach lifestyle experience here in Vegas. And my goal is to have the best and longest man-made wave, of course. <laughs> aren't there any other, uh, of course, aren't there any other artificial beaches in Vegas? There's not, not, not beaches like with ocean and, and waves. There's Lake Mead, right? But even the coastlines of Lake Mead, there's a lot of cliff areas. It's just not like a epic, beautiful, beach where you'd just be in awe over right here in portugal we've got an interesting program that the government have obviously run and i don't know if it's a european thing or not but they call them um well there's artificial beaches basically all of all along the rivers and they've created sand and they've created a little like beach environment where they've got like beautiful little um you know umbrellas and things and palm trees and stuff and and it's, it's obviously nothing to do with a wave pool yeah but it's that kind of artificial beach so there's nothing of that in vegas at all huh? well so there's Lake Mead, which has a lot of water sports activities, right? And it's a man-made lake. Um, and then there's Lake Las Vegas, which is was, when it was first opened, surrounded by three beautiful golf courses. And it has some casino resort and hotel features as well. But like I said, the beach component of it is very limited. It's not like, I want boardwalk you know miles of boardwalk and sand and and activity and stuff like that beauty 
Whereas they have a little, little small beach, but there's a lot of cliff around it. It's just not like walking up on a beach and throwing down a towel. It's not the same thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So what stage are you at with um, the project? Well, with the Beach Las Vegas, I just launched a lot of the social media probably a month and a half ago. And we're past the conceptual stage for sure. I'm in some really great talks with some big players in town that are part of some of the biggest resort hospitality companies. We're in correspondence with a couple different wave tech companies, right? And um, I've reached out to World Surfing League as well, and I want to keep corresponding with them about for sure having events here or exhibitions or you name it, right? Absolutely, yeah. Because I, I don't know if you want to get into this, but this weekend we had the Freshwater Pro, right? Up at Kelly, Kelly's Lake, yeah. uh, Kelly's Pool, yeah. And um, I don't know about you, but I was a bit disappointed. I think that it's boring as all hell watching that thing. And I, and I, I respect the WSL. I think they're doing an amazing job for bringing surfing. And, and they're part of the reason that surfing is growing so much. And as so I fully respect them. But I just think that there's something lacking. I mean, that, that is the most perfect wave in the world. It's incredible. It's a, it's a scientific feat. But as far as the competition goes, I just find it boring. Do you mean just the ambiance around it? Is that kind of no? I just mean it's the it's the format of, of how they. Do, I don't know how you could do that. The only way, uh, and I've been talking to quite a few people about competitions in wave pools, and what kind of format we could we could have going. And and if you can randomize the waves like you can in the Wave Garden Cove, then wow, that's a whole thing. Because then you sort of, you know, you imitating the ocean, right? And you can you can create lulls, and you can make it a bit unexpected, and you can create a slab now and then, and then every four or five waves there'll be like a normal crumbly wave or or whatever. But you can try and recreate the ocean environment of the contest. Otherwise, we're going to have to reinvent contests and add other factors in. Yeah, I think there's benefits to both scenarios for sure. Because from one standpoint, like say skateboarding a half pipe, you can ride that same half pipe. They're all kind of made the same. And you can perfect tricks, right? And you can innovate on tricks for sure. So from that standpoint, it's okay, I get it. But like you said, you may need to alter the format uh, to some degree to suit that. Yeah, especially when you're competing with a, a competition in Chihupu or, or Bell's Beach, like it was massive this year. And those were really, really exciting competitions, as they all are. I think Jeffrey's Bay, Rio, all of them were, were just amazing this year. So, um, yeah, I think they've got to try and get a little bit creative there, maybe. Okay. Um, so obviously you've gone public with, with your project because you know, you've done the social media and we're doing this podcast. Aren't you worried about um, bad press or activists or, or anything like that getting a hold of you and saying, ah, oh, you can't do this here like they were doing in France um, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, so my whole philosophy is um, an abundance philosophy instead of being fearful. And... I think there's, by making it public, people have an opportunity to contribute in either positive or negative ways, but either way, it gives us the ability to address any concerns or enhance any of the benefits that people are looking forward to as a result of this. So I'm hoping that people are going to embrace it, right, for all the great qualities and aspects that it contributes to our, the tourism, you know, the diversification of bringing in new tourists, the um, 
beautiful qualities it provides our local residents. And then a big component of what we're doing here is this is going to be resort and residences that are on the beach or at the beach Las Vegas, right? So it's going to provide that whole beach lifestyle experience for a lot of Las Vegans. You're going to need some big, I mean, that's a lovely um, attitude to have. So I think that's wonderful. It really is awesome. Um, t tell us about finding the land. Obviously, you need a large section of land. Um, have you found uh, an appropriate piece yet? Well, so one piece that we like a lot, and there's several reasons we like it. But yeah, I think we can scale this as large as we want to, right? So we have a size in mind for the beach ocean portion of this project. And then as we move further east and west or north and south, whatever direction, we can build great residential communities that have direct access to the beach via a really cool arterial pathway in which they won't need to get in a car and drive, but they can get on a bike, maybe a golf cart, you know, walk, take their strollers with their families and access the beach that way. I think that'd be very cool. So you're saying that the wave pool is just one component of the whole project. Um, are you going to have other pools around there, like these big crystal pools? Have you seen crystal pools? Well, so one of, uh, one of the greatest features that I've got a lot of positive feedback on is dog beach. So nothing's better. I mean, if you have a dog or a pet, you love your pets, right? And so if you can bring them anywhere with you, it's great, right? But to the beach, come on. And if they love the water and they get to jump in the waves, I mean, that's just, it's amazing, right? And then they can play with other dogs off the leash as well in the water. So that's a huge component of it, dog beach. And then also I do want some private beach areas for residences that are at the beach, right? So they'll have their own private beach venues as well. So what do you foresee as the most challenging part of the project ahead? Because this is massive. Um, you know, that's what's interesting. I don't really foresee a big challenge because the world is full of solutions, right? And they've been in existence this whole time. It's just a matter of us finding them. And I feel like I'm setting myself up to gravitate towards them. Hence, we're doing this podcast right now. Right. Yeah. So it's okay. really a mindset, man. And I don't feel like there's you're infectiously positive. Man. I try. Yeah. And, I, and I, <laughs> I don't think there's big challenges. I mean, even when you talk about water, like I've talked with the water authority and the water district and they don't even think there'll be challenges. Golf courses use a lot more water than a project like this would, especially like you mentioned the wave garden. That's one of the companies that we're in correspondence with, they seem to really have their, their stuff together. And they put a lot of thought into water conservation as well, right? So, and, and we for sure are doing the same as well as renewable energies, et cetera. So that's a big part of what we're uh, focusing on. Excellent, because it's so important to have that kind of mindset when you're developing a large a large development because I mean I've, I've met a couple of developers in my life who are just frothing at the bit to make cash 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 and throw up concrete all over the place and don't give a hoot for the environment which you cannot do business these days without having a, an environmental bottom line as well as a social bottom line and as well as a as, a, as a, obviously a financial profit right yeah and I think cash is like the lowest thing on my list it's really 
I think first and foremost, fueled by passion. It feels like it really needs to be done. And I feel like I'm definitely just as good as anyone, if not better, to do it because of my experience growing up surfing, because of my uh, deep creative mind. Like I always try and take it to a better, deeper, more magnificent, magical level with what anything I'm doing. And I have some really cool ideas for like when you picture yourself walking along a beach boardwalk, right? And then say you picture doing that in Las Vegas. Don't you envision some bright flashing lights? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe. And casinos. And some and... flamingos maybe. But there's a lot of things floating around up here in this skull that need to come out. And they're going to be really cool. <laughs> really fun to see, man. <laughs> I'm excited to see your first renderings. That'll be awesome, man. That'll be great. Yes. Because um, I just came across a beautiful rendering of a project in Brazil today. They were doing a wave pool. They're doing a couple of wave pools down there, but it's probably the best one I've seen. I'll actually send it over to you. It's just incredible. Okay, yeah. Beautiful. I'd love to see it. So Steve Jobs once said, um, and it's probably not his best quote, but he said, great things in business are never done by one person. They're done by a team of people. So are you are you doing this on your own? Uh, definitely building a team. Definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. So the creative vision is my strength, right? But yeah, you definitely need a team around you to kind of channel everything in the right directions because it's so multifaceted, right? But yeah, so one of the first uh, solidified partnerships that we'll make here real soon, I think is dealing with one of these large conglomerate resort hospitality groups because they've already got kind of the team and infrastructure in place that can facilitate a lot of these, you know, moving parts. Yeah, the Sheraton um, did one in Japan like way back, I think it was in the 90s, called Ocean Dome. Have you heard about that project at all? Yeah, yeah, I did. And it crashed and burned, strange enough, but it was one of the first wave pools in the world. And it was actually a really effective wave pool. We, we did a story on it about a guy called Matt who was playing and he was every, every night they'd have a spectacle, you know, like a show. And he would have to rush off and, and grab this princess and then he would go and surf a wave in this artificial wave pool. And this was all done by Sheraton. So it's quite interesting to see that they've done this kind of stuff before and I'm pretty sure they'll be doing it again. Yeah, you know, you know what was interesting with that is it was fairly close to an existing ocean as well, which was kind of different. Do you, think it, do you think that matters? I mean, if you take a wave pool and you put it down right next to a surf spot, why not? Well, because yeah, there's not always surf there. It's just interesting, though. It was much more interesting seeing it there as opposed to like a landlocked area where you wouldn't typically have access. So what you're saying is that beach that it was near didn't have surfable waves? Well, I think generally we've got a very, very good wave here in, in Europe. It's probably one of the best waves and almost consistent waves in Europe. And it breaks 42% of the time. So there's that other you know, 38%, well, sort of a 68, 58% of the time, get my maths right, that there are not surfable waves. Yeah, so that, that so would make sense. You, yeah, so you can't schedule a surf at 4.45 p.m. After your, after your meeting. Yeah, that's true too. Well, that's the other great thing about this Vegas um, beach, right? You're talking about 24 hours, man. You're talking about illuminated, temperature-controlled water, right? And ambient, uh, ambient above lighting as well, 
who doesn't want to take a stroll after they eat dinner along the beach and see some artists carving waves, right? In this beautiful illuminated water, seriously? Like that's part of the whole magic of the beach and the ocean is having the people out there connecting with it, right? Riding the waves and just swimming in the water, whatever they're doing. That's part of the electricity that comes from it, I think. Absolutely. And I'm um, talking about these artists carving the waves. Are you looking to get ambassadors for the project? And if so, how, how do you run that kind of thing? Because obviously you've got a lot of experience with Vuli. Um, did you do ambassadors for Vuli back in the day? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, some of the most, the biggest personalities in the game, you know, we, we sought out to work with us and represent our brand. Yeah, for sure. I think that's important. Um, I don't think it's that important for this to be successful because it's just it's going to be a thing of magic a beautiful ocean surfable waves but i think it's always a benefit to some degree right to have a few great ambassadors i don't know if they have to, i don't know who they need to be at this point but we'll find some for sure they'll probably find us <laughs> Yeah, they'll come back in for you and say, hey, please, let us serve. Yeah. But what, what kind of deals do they have? Like, for example, Desert in, I think it's near Coachella, DSRT, the new surf park that's just been announced with Josh Kerr and a bunch of other surfers. And Gabe Medina down in um, in Brazil is is an ambassador for, for a couple of their projects. So what kind of deal do you reckon those guys have in place? Do you think it's they can just come and surf for free or, or do you think it's more structured than that? You know, my philosophy would be it's like I always like to incentivize people for what they're con contributing, like promotional wise, right? Name recognition wise. So for I don't know what theirs is. I could probably find out. I do know some people working on that. But um, I think for me, I would want to incentivize them heavily. Like, hey, the more you want to you know, bring people, promote it, share it, the more we want to give to you. And, and then ask them which ways they would like to be compensated. You know, everyone's different, actually. You'd be surprised. Some want the, the money. Some need the money. Others want, you know, other things. Sure. So it's a very personal thing. It's for each people, yeah. Okay, and so what's the timeline for the beach? When are we going to be able to surf it? Yeah, so whew, sooner the better would be great. I know that, <laughs> yeah, I know that once we contract a wave tech company, They'll have to come out and do an assessment on the land and before they can start moving dirt. It's probably going to be a year and a half just for that portion, right? And then to be able to test the wave. But luckily, at the same time, we could be doing all the other phases of entitlement, right? So I would, I would guess like two and a half to three years would be a safe timeline. Because there's a bunch of permitting that obviously has to be done beforehand and uh, that can stretch. I don't know what it's like in the States, but I know in Portugal, it could potentially take a long time. Yeah. And the other thing is, because we want the best and longest wave, I don't know how much factoring, you know, the wave tech company is going to need to add additional sections and figure all that out. Not saying we can't open before they finalize it, maybe on one half, or, you know, even on both halves, and then they just figure out the continuation, but we'll see. 
Okay, and how about technology in 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 the wave park operation? How, how are you going to use tech that'll make visitors and surfers' experience better? Because there's a lot of opportunity there to to help their experience with tech. So as far as surfing in the water itself, like that experience, I'm probably going to rely heavily on more research and the wave tech company. But as far as overall experience at the resort and at the beach, Las Vegas, um, we're probably going to utilize, there's a company called Elastos and they're developing or they have developed blockchain technology and they keep improving it. But from that standpoint, that's going to be highly effective in making the overall experience for all guests and residents safer and better. You'll have to check it out if you're not familiar. Elastos, E-L-A-S-T-O-S. Yeah, very high Okay, tech. so that's pretty like access, wristbands, that kind of thing. It, it can contribute to probably anything tech, technological, yeah. Wow, cool. So it sounds like an amazing project. Sounds sounds incredible. So, so good luck with that. Let's chat a little bit about the wave pool industry itself. And we've alluded to some of this before, but... Um, and you've mentioned that surfing is experiencing a massive boon right now. As Sophie Goldschmidt from the WSL, she says, surfing is at a powerful inflection point right now. And and why do you reckon that is? I think accessibility for sure, right? Uh, like you said, I think people have a an affection and a fondness to the surf and beach lifestyle. And you know what I think? Um, surfing to me, as far as an exercise or a sport is probably the best way to keep your body healthy and in shape like swimming, but not boring as swimming. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Swimming, can... swimming can be boring. I'm not bashing it by any means, but yeah, it's like swimming with a high. <laughs> yeah. Cause surfing, like, I mean, you're catching a wave at some point, the paddle's just as good for me. I mean, I love reaching, stretching, pulling, you know, paddling, especially in the ocean because you're fighting different elements, right? But, oh, it just feels so good when you get a good long paddle session in. But then catching a wave and then riding that wave, man, there's nothing like it. It's just so good. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think people know that. I mean, they get a sense for it. And when they hear interviews of some of their favorite pro surfers, talk about the experience i mean who wouldn't want to try it but yeah there's all these factors that are, that are hampering people from trying it so um so how will wave pools affect the growth of surfing do you reckon it's going to be as massive as we all think or do you think there'll be a lot of pushback from original, like surfers and saying ah you know that's not really a wave it's, it's not it's not it's not like ocean surfing it's just it's horrible well, you know, what's funny is if you've never had the opportunity to surf in the ocean, then you're just going to be grateful for what you are able to surf. I think some people like they surf these rivers, right? Right. It's just kind of a, a in place kind of wave or people wake surf behind a boat and they don't complain about it. They're all like, yeah, this is great. You know, I went wake surfing all day or, you know, they, uh, they wakeboard, which have you ever tried that? Wakeboard, yeah, I've tried wakeboarding, and I went on a flow rider the other day, which, you know, I just didn't get the same thrill as I do sliding down the face of a moving ocean wave. I was trying flow rider, and apparently it gets you after a couple of sessions, and you can really get into it and do it well. But have you tried a flow rider? I haven't tried the flow rider, but I've I've done some wake surfing. Yeah, it doesn't compare at all. 
right? At all. But for people that don't have the opportunity to surf, they'll tell you it's the best thing ever. They love it. But, but with wakeboarding, man, I did that a few times. And how about that tug on your shoulders at the end of the wow. day? <laughs> how'd you, well, how'd you this one, I, <laughs> okay, I'm, uh, you said you're 52. I'm 50. And I'm not, I mean, I'm a little bit fit, but I'm not that fit. And I went out to this place about, you know, 50 kilometers away from where I live. And they got a wake, wake park there. And we thought, oh, let's give this a go. And seriously, six, like six days afterwards, I could still hardly move my arms. It was nuts. Really, <laughs> exactly. really difficult. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to, I think you got to be um, a little bit habituated to that, shall we say. Absolutely. Yeah, it was quite a tug. How about snowboarding? So you can equate it to snowboarding too a little bit from a wave pool standpoint when you talk about the consistency of the wave, right? Which obviously, yeah, the best technologies, they can change that with the push of a button and give you a whole nother experience, which I think is important and great because people that, especially if they have never gotten to surf, they should be able to experience all types of waves, right? And figure out what they like the best. Because, you know, the tide fluctuations for us as ocean surfers dictate different types of waves. So say you're surfing an extremely low tide, and I don't know if you guys have any rock jetties at your beaches, but um, so some days we're taking off you know, six feet deep in front of the rocks because that's where it's breaking on low tide and it's just shoveling up, right? And dumping and you either make it or you're uh, dancing with some rocks, <laughs> right? <laughs> so there's one wave, yeah. right? And then there's a nice wave that's a little flowing on the face and you can just rip down the line and do a huge carve. But so I think it's important for people to get a taste of different styles of waves. You want to hear a funny story one time? Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, sadly, a lot of surfers aren't fond of boogie boarders, which is sad, especially if they're getting into your waves early and calling you off. That, that doesn't really go over too well. So there was one of these days where it was a low tide and this guy was taken off so deep. They don't need to stand up, right? They're just... They're already into the wave and they're kicking and doing their thing. So they have an unfair advantage from that standpoint. He's just super deep in front of the rocks. Boom, gets barreled, big close out. All of a sudden he disappears. No one knows where he is, right? We look 10 feet deep back on the, the rock jetty and he's bottomed out just on, Flap, on flapping rock, like a fish. Flipping. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so this wave essentially just devoured him, swallowed him, and like a whale spout, just psh, we couldn't even see him because he is just engulfed in whitewash. Poor guy. He's ten, <laughs> 10 feet back, just dry docked in his flippers, just doing their thing. And nobody got it on video. That would be awesome to get on video. It would be right up there. Oh, my God. That would be like, yeah, talk about viral sensation. Yeah. But that's a, that, that does bring up another subject of um, the fact that wave pools could be for everybody. They could be for, for bodyboarders, they could be for surfers, they could be for kneeboarders, they could be for stand-up paddlers. Um, but there's this massive hierarchy and, and hopefully, I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking aloud here, in, in the future that'll actually go a long way to, to equaling it out. Because I know as a shortboard surfer, 
you know, you're not that happy when a supper comes along and, and just grabs his wave. You know, you're there on it riding before you even get there. Right, yeah. So with the wave pool, I think everyone's in queue, right? So they're all kind of taking their turn. And here's the other, here's, here's a, another major benefit to doing a resort residential development around a beach ocean is another factor is cost, right? For the user. So having all these homes and hotels and casino and retail around this beach is going to subsidize the cost of operation to the beach, right? For maintenance and, and operation. So we're not going to have to gouge you know, surfers and bodyboarders and people that want to paddleboard in the water or do whatever, a ton of money like maybe some of these other wave parks because their whole business model is getting people in, paying for a session, right? Because they need to make, you know, their money. So for us, we're going to have, you know, homeowners living on the beach, paying homeowner association fees that'll subsidize some of those costs. For instance, you have some of these high-rise condos, right, that are strip-centric, so near the Las Vegas Strip. They could pay a 1000 bucks a month in HOAs. So they'll have a concierge service, which we, we would have too, and some other services, right, security, et cetera. But because of their location, they're paying a higher association fee. Right. And then some of these single family residents that are in really nice master plan communities are already used to that as well. So they'll have a, a sub association and then they'll also have a master plan association fee, which is usually a lot less, but it covers everybody within that big master plan development, you know, for the parks. Sounds great. Street cleaning services. But. But yeah, that could help subsidize the cost. Yeah, so you wouldn't have to pay for too be, much for, for beachgoers. So you could promote the, so, the, the, the sport of surfing, which will be fantastic. Exactly, yeah. So talking about um, real estate developments around wave pools, do you think um, there's scope for like, I mean, there's quite a few projects out there which are just surf only. They just put a, put a, plop, a wave pool down there and then there's a, then there's a, a changing room or something. Um, there's also plans, I know there was one in Madrid for, to put it right in the middle of the city center in a shopping center. Um, there's combinations of water parks, adding it onto water parks. You know, there's these big garish red and yellow sort of water slide parks. Um, so you, you reckon the best commercial plan for success is a, is a real estate um, a real estate project? Uh, obviously, it has to depend on where it is, right? And I think any of them that actually can work for everybody are okay to do. But in my opinion, just being a big vision guy, I would love to see, I think there's a lot of benefits to having the resort retail and residents around it. Number one, I look at it this way. So if you're going to make a beautiful, so for me, it should be beautiful. It could be functional. Like, hey, we have a wave pool. People can ride and surf and have fun, right? But in some regard, it's it's beautiful as well when you look at it, right? So if we can make it more beautiful and allow more people to enjoy its beauty and energy and flow and whatever it's contributing to the community and universe, then why wouldn't we do that, right? So it's multi-purpose, right? So if I'm already going to do something that can accommodate surfers, Sorry. oh, that's all right. What was that? 
little chirp. There's my, f- my phone ringing. <laughs> and I always tell all my guests, please, could you silence your notifications? And then there I go. <laughs> Sorry about that. I love it. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, so if we're going to do this, right, we're going to have a beautiful ocean, we're going to call it, right, which produces waves, great surfing waves that promotes, like, there's a great quote that I love that, you know, living by the beach or the ocean shows that it allows someone to have less stress, be more apt to be physically, physical active or physically active right and things like that and and just the energy from the water moving the salt water in the air which we do want to incorporate salt water for the therapeutic values and qualities of it right on the skin in the air etc but um i think when you have something that special create as much as you can around it if you can that's a perfect place to end off thank you so much tc i really appreciate it and best of luck for your project thank you so much very good to meet you so tc where can we find you online oh yeah so thebeachlasvegas.com great stuff we'll see you there yeah and all our social media is the beach las vegas well that was great thanks tc for letting us in on your project it sounds super exciting and i bet you hundreds and thousands possibly millions of people are really looking forward to having the beach las vegas opening now, if you have an idea for a wave pool near you and you really want to get going and you're just about to pick up the phone to go and call Wave Garden or Surf Lakes or American Wave Machines, just pop in and let us know because those guys are totally swamped with work. Let us know. We're actually working with quite a few wave consultants um, or wave pool consultants. So let us know. We'll be able to direct you into the right corner. We do quite a lot of a lot of other work um, related to wave pools and, and to these massive projects. So um, let us know. Drop myself or Brian a line. My email is nick.wavepoolmag at gmail.com. Well, stick with us for next episode. And we have a lot of guys in the pipeline. And I'm trying to find some ladies to interview. If you know of any ladies, we've tried Bethany Hamilton. She's real busy at the moment. But if you know any ladies involved in the wave pool space, let us know. And get them to get in touch with us. But we've been chatting to quite a few people. And we're definitely interviewing some exciting guys. Like the people from Surfline are coming on. Um, chatting to... Greg Weber from Weber Wave Pools. Hopefully, we're going to get Tom Lachterfeld on. There's a lot of people hanging in the pipeline, and we're going to get them all excited about wave pools and hopefully get you excited about wave pools. So thanks once again for listening. And please don't hesitate to subscribe on your, wave, uh, on your podcast app of choice. And, you know, leaving a review on iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts, as it's now called, is really, really helpful. So just click five stars and say, you're awesome, Nick, or whatever you want to say. If you know, it'd be great to have those reviews. We really would help. And yeah, just tell a friend about our podcast. Who knows? They might really enjoy it. So thanks again. I'll see you next week. Wait for your curiosity and stoke.